You're listening to episode number 240, and today we're taking part two of this carbohydrate conversation to another level. This is the Made for Living Well podcast, hosted by Alexa Sherm, the place to create a life well-lived. Welcome back to this podcast. As always, my name's Alexa, and this is the Made for Living Well podcast the place where I teach you that you were actually made for living well. It's not another diet or system, but health is inside of you. And it is my goal to teach you how to live that out. And like, just stop for a moment and think like, what if you actually started to live as if you were healthy, as if health is inside of you and that you had the energy to thrive? You do. Now I just have to get you to believe it and teach you how to live it out. That's what we do here on the Made for Living Well podcast, and I'm so excited and honored that you would find the time to listen to the show. Now, if you're new around here, my name's Alexa. I'm actually a nutritionist, but as you're going to learn in this podcast, I feel like I missed my calling. More than a nutritionist, I want to help people create a new story in health because I think the old one we've been living off of is actually our problem. We're going to dive into that today on the podcast, as well as talking more about the specifics around carbohydrates, like carb cycling, intermittent fasting, how many carbs is too many carbs, those kind of questions, including some questions that I have gotten after the last podcast, episode number 239 launched on the big picture of carbohydrates, like should you take a complete break from carbohydrates for a while? like the ketosis diet recommends, and what does it mean to live seasonally from a carbohydrate perspective? Those are great questions and questions that we're going to dive into on today's show. Today is like the nitty gritty, what you need to know, laying it all out about carbohydrates. Now, if you haven't listened to the last show, I would really encourage you to go back and listen to that because it's gonna give you this big overarching picture about what I believe about carbohydrates. We're gonna dive back into some of that because it's really important. And again, I'm here to help you create a new story, which means health to me is not just about the food that we eat, it's about our relationship with ourselves. And I think that we eat the food that we eat because of our relationship with ourselves or a lack of relationship. And I wanna build that back up. I want you to come back to your own body, to come home to your body and live in that space, that God intended space for a greater purpose. So stay tuned as we do that, but I have a few things to tell you. Like every podcast, I have dedicated a post or a series of posts to go along with this. So if you want to head on over to thelivingwell.com, you can learn more about carbohydrates, about carb cycling, about good carbs and bad carbs, and really how to overcome cravings for carbohydrates. So make sure you just head to thelivingwell.com to check that out. And while you're there, if you really want the backbone for health, you've got to check out Health Made Simple. It truly will transform your view of health for the rest of your life so you no longer have to pick up these quick diets. And I don't mean that to sound like markety and cheesy, but it really is true. It is a completely different shift in the health space, and it's hard for me to articulate that until you're inside. So make sure you head on over, check out the class section, and grab yourself a seat inside Health Made Simple. I think you're going to love it. With that being said, let's just get to today's show and talk more about the carb situation. This is carbs part two. 
Like I mentioned last week, I really feel like at the end of the day, carbohydrates are not our problem. We've just made them our problem because we've lived so disassociated with our bodies that we feel like the way to achieve what we are looking for inside of our bodies is an external approach. Like we've shifted our focus from the internal change to the external change, just looking for that quick fix on the surface that will hopefully fix everything else. Unfortunately, we know that that model doesn't work. If the diet industry was successful, we would not be here. But 70 years later, and we're really no healthier than we were when we started. In fact, the trends show we're much worse off. And I hate that. Like, I hate to think about all the people who've invested so much into the diet industry and never received a return on the time investment or financial investment, and in the end, just lived a life of regret. That is not what I want for you because I believe you have a great purpose here on earth and this world needs that. And health is just one big old distraction from you living your purpose and creating that desire in your life that actually creates the health you've been looking for. So again, I really do think that carbs are not our problem. Just like fat's not our problem or protein. All three of these things are macronutrients. They're nutrients, as I mentioned last week on the show, meaning they really are essential to the body, no matter which way you can argue it. And yes, I know there's a lot of arguments that we don't need glucose in our system to provide the energy our body needs. And I'll 100% agree with that. We don't need that. We have other fuel sources that our body can use in order to live. But there's a difference between living and thriving. And I want to be very clear about this. We can live lives outside of thriving for a long time. But generally, that life of living without thriving comes with its own set of consequences. We come at the expense of maybe our libido or healthy skin or healthy hair or a healthy mood, right? We have consequences whenever we're not living in a state of thriving, whenever we're living in a stressed state. And I think that's what this low-carbohydrate diet is doing to a lot of people. It's just causing excess amounts of stress on their body, whether from the lack of macronutrient itself or from the intense stress that comes with trying to manage a diet such as the low-carb diet. We've seen this repeated throughout history of when we went through a phase where we eliminated all fat from our diet and we went through this low-fat craze. We quickly realized, well, not as quickly as we should have, but we realize there's an intense need for fat inside the body. And eliminating that comes with great consequences. And I think in in time, we're gonna see this repeat itself just like that did. Now that doesn't mean that we can eat as many carbohydrates as we want or that carbs aren't creating some sort of the problem. Like I fully believe that is true. We have to go back to what is healthy for me looking more internally at ourselves rather than externally. But again, this just comes from the right relationship with our body that we can pay attention and understand what it is our body is actually needing so we can provide that. Unfortunately, though, we've created these massive problems in health and we've been taught to look so far outside of our own body that food has become the problem when food really doesn't have as much control over our health as we give it. The real root is not the food. The problem is, is that we really just have a bad relationship with ourselves. 
I mean, you might not say that, right? But if we fail to look internally before we look at any external solution to our quote unquote problems, that's really just a bad relationship that we have with ourselves. If we can't first come and recognize what is going on with my body, how do I feel? And what is my body looking for? Then we're really not living in tune to what true health means. And that is just providing the right environment for your body to thrive. That is what your body needs. And food, yes, can play a role in this, but it's only one very small piece of the puzzle. There are so many other factors when it comes to a state of thriving versus surviving, more than just the food that we eat. And I don't want you to miss that because your mindset behind what you believe about your body, the story that you tell yourself is going to drastically change what your body does with the food that you consume. And what your body does with the food that you consume creates the outcome that you see. So your problem is really not the food that you eat because you could eat a lot of really good foods, all of the right things. I see this all the time. I do all of the right things and yet nothing works. Why? Because of the stress response that we've created inside of our minds that prevent the body from living in a state of thriving. And when our body is just surviving, no matter what you do, it's going to store, hoard, and conserve energy as much as possible. Even if you move to a different state of fuel, right? Even if you move from a state of glucose to these ketones, if you're living in a state of survival, yes, your body's going to break down body fat stores to produce the energy that your body needs to survive. But that comes at a cost. There's a price attached to that, and your body's going to fight it. And this is where we enter into the body war, the place that I want to end forever. If I could eradicate the body war from this world, I would. Because we have to see your body is not at fault. The reason that you've stored extra weight is not because your body is against you. It's because your body fat has served a purpose in keeping you alive. More than likely, you've been living in a state of survival and it's time to just move you back into a state of thriving. And moving yourself into a state of thriving means that you have to learn to nourish your body. Not just look for weight loss, not just look for quick health, but to truly nourish the cells with nutrients, with energy, with rest, with oxygen, with the things that it needs to thrive. And that comes from the full scope of your life. But again, this all starts with having the right relationship with food. Realizing that yes, carbohydrates have gotten a bad rap. Just like 20 years ago, fat had a terrible rap. I grew up in the 80s and 90s, which was the generation of the low-fat diets. I grew up on margarine, and I grew up on low-fat everything and diet pop everything, right? Like we grew up in the processed food nation. And, And I'm not saying that served anyone a purpose, But I realized in those times that food had become a moral part of our life. But even growing up then, just like we do now, food had some kind of a moral code to it, right? Like you did not eat the fat. If you ate the fat, you were kind of one of those people. You lived in the diet world with margarine and processed ingredients because those were supposed to be better for you. I mean, that didn't serve us well, but it did show how disassociated we are from our own body and how we can so quickly fix our eyes onto other things that the world has told us are better for us. 
The truth of the matter is, is food doesn't have that kind of power unless we give it the power. But really, overall, food has no moral code. It's not about good or bad, right or wrong. Truly, we just have to start looking at food as what is it doing inside of our body? We have to start to pay attention to the reaction that we feel when we eat the food. And really, this just boils down to how good does it make you feel? Like not emotionally good, right? But how good, how much energy, maybe a better way to say this is, how energized do you feel after you consume it? That's why I like to talk about energy because it's such a great indicator about how your body's responding, whether in positive in a state of thriving or a state of surviving. Because we know if our body moves into a state of survival, it's automatically going to try and conserve, store, and hoard, which means your functioning or your everyday energy level is going to decline as a means to conserve the energy you need to survive. So naturally, if something is pushing your body into a state of stress or survival, you're going to feel more sluggish. You're going to feel tired and bloated and all of those negative things after you eat that food. Maybe it's right away and maybe it's in a few hours or four hours after consuming that. Now, on the other hand, those foods that give you energy, you're going to feel that in the way that you react to life around you. And those things that give you energy are generally nourishing foods that are going to push you into a state of thriving. Those are the things that we want to focus on and pay attention to. So instead of looking at food as good or bad, right or wrong, we have to take that moral code off and recognize food truly does not have that power. You've given your power away to the food, believing that it has the power to change you. But you're still the one choosing what you consume, which means you truly hold the power. You might not like it because that makes you responsible for the body that you're walking in, for the body that you might hate, but that's okay. You have to start to see that so that you can start to change that. We can't change what we can't see. And so if we can start to recognize those things, we can start to do something about it. And that's really what I want to talk to you today about. Yes, we're going to get into carb cycling. We're going to get into intermittent fasting, how many carbs you really should be eating. But I really want to push this point home. Food does not have the power to change you. You have that power. Food's responsibility is to nourish you. That's it. To bring you joy and to give you nourishment. And if we can start looking at food in that way and taking our control back, we can start to see that in general, we really don't need that much food. Now, today's podcast was originally supposed to be about why I broke up with health, but I've kind of just told you that in the last 10 minutes, right? Like, honestly, the reason I broke up with health, just to give you this synopsis of what I was originally going to speak on throughout this entire podcast was because the traditional model of health that leaves you so focused on external things like diets and systems and being perfect really led to my own health crisis. I crashed and burned in the middle of doing everything right. And I know I've told this story in many podcasts of the past, but it really is truly one of the leading reasons why I cannot do health in the traditional model anymore. That is not the intended design of life. Like I cannot possibly wrap my mind around how much time and money and energy and worry and concern and confidence is wasted in the health industry. It is wasted on these naive 
thoughts that if we could just change our external body, that somehow we could be more loved and seen and known, that somehow our purpose matters more when we're a certain size than it does with however you come to the table right now. And I just want to break that. I want to break that story Because what I believe, if you're waiting for the desire and the passion to live out your call for when you get to a certain size, you'll be waiting a really long time. Because the key to any healthy change always starts with that desire and that passion. It's the desire that's going to give you the energy to live that out. And the more energized you are, the less food that you need. Therefore, your external system changes without you having to worry about it at all. I know it sounds too good to be true and so foreign that it's almost hard to accept, right? But the real truth is, is food is not the issue. No matter what you eat or how much of it, if you're living for the right reasons and in the right purpose, your body should be so energized that food plays a relatively insignificant role in your overall life because you're so fixated on other things. Now, that doesn't mean we shouldn't pay attention to what we're consuming or be so busy that we're just eating all kinds of junk. But the real end goal for me with this space is to be able to encourage you to get to a place where you desire to nourish your body, not to look a certain way, but to live out of your passions and your purpose. And in the process of that, to achieve that healthy, natural state that your body is working so desperately hard to get to. Really, instead of this body war, it's this cohesive, this unity, this wholeness is what I'm looking for. And that comes with just seeing your body differently, like seeing it with more respect and understanding, knowing that wherever you are today, that was in the best interest of your body to keep you alive. Now it's time to move from the state of surviving, which it did so well for a period of time when it needed to, and into a state of thriving. So yes, potentially I miss my purpose and my own artificial desire to to make myself more important by getting to a certain weight. I mean, really, that's why I went into nutrition in the health space. Like if I could learn how to save myself and other people from the cruel world of looking differently than what the beauty standards showed, then I thought I could fix everyone's problems. But I realized that's not the root. The root is having the confidence to stand in your desires and passions, regardless of what you look like, and starting to work with your body to nourish your body to be a vehicle of living those things out. Hopefully I'm making sense, and I'm trying to fit two podcasts into one here. But really, in the new year, in the coming year, I want to talk all about this, about creating a new story in health, about getting rid of these old ideas in the health space and helping you see the truth, helping you to work with your body overcoming your codependent relationship with body fat, and living out your purpose. I just want you to treat your body well, to look at it differently and to see it as good. And if you can start to see it as good and learn all the other ways to energize your system, really, the topic of food and diets becomes a mute point. Like it's not something that concerns you, which is freedom, my friend. It is freedom. And that's where we're gonna go in the new year. But now... 20 minutes in, and it's time to get back to the carb topic. Now, again, carbs can be your friends, right? We do not need to fear carbohydrates. They are a macronutrient, meaning they are a nutrient. 
Now I've been getting lots of questions that like, I get that, but where's that limit, right? Like where's that healthy balance? And I love the word balance because it really does signify that it's not an extreme. The problem with this carbohydrate subject is a lot of people are looking for a specific number. We love to count things because counting creates a sense of control. The problem with that model is our body doesn't work that way. Our body's needs change daily. And this is partially due because of our hormonal cycles, but also your circadian rhythm and truly just your homeostatic patterns. So it's really difficult to say that you need X amount of carbs every single day. The reality is, is that those numbers are always changing. It's the same with calories. We know this, we've studied this, that people's caloric count will change daily based on different life situations. Even if you're right now in Iowa, it's very cold and windy. That cold and that wind is going to change the way my body processes energy because my body needs more energy to keep myself warm. So really weather patterns, cyclical patterns inside your body, all of that is going to influence the amount of carbohydrates you need. Now, there are some ways to figure this in. And this is what makes health difficult and why I I like people to get away from tracking in general and pay more attention to the food that you're consuming. Because even in the foods that you consume, unless it's a processed ingredient that is robotically made to perfection, we can see drastic changes in carbohydrate count between different apples of the same variety or different bananas or different vegetables, right? They all tend to have a significantly different amount of calories and carbohydrates and protein just if we measured each individually. So everything is kind of a rough average. And honestly, at the end of the day, no matter how good you are at counting, it's still a terrible picture of what your body is actually consuming. So if we step outside of counting, I want us to pay attention to the idea that your caloric intake is going to change based on cycles. And this is where really carbohydrates are much different for men and for women, especially menstruating women. Now, I know men and women are very different, but we tend to lump men in postmenopausal women in a similar category. Technically speaking, you're using a similar hormonal flow and energetic pattern to your life. You're very different, I understand that, but energetically, you're more similar than a menstruating woman and a male. Now, if we look at the overall amount of carbohydrates our body needs, it's really going to boil down to how much stress can your body handle? The more stress your body can handle, the less carbohydrates it needs. I know that sounds crazy and backwards, but it's an accurate picture. And here's why. Lowering any amount of macronutrients or cutting back on it is a stress to the body. And those people who are highly sensitive to stress are going to react more negatively to an out-of-balance pattern. Other people are going to react more favorably. So maybe better said, our bodies all love stress. On some level, our body changes via stress. So if we think about this like on an energetic pendulum, and hopefully you can get this picture in your mind. You all know what a pendulum is, right? It's like a ball on a rod that you can push, and when you push it, it goes back and forth, right? It's just back and forth, repeated pattern. Usually pendulums um, are like, uh, I've seen pendulums on like a uh, grandfather clock, right? It's that back and forth ticking motion. 
So if we think about our body working in this pattern where we have this push and we have this pullback, that's a homeostatic healthy pattern for our body to be in. It's not extreme, it's not stuck in any one degree, but it's this constant repetitive back and forth motion. That's ideal in the body. When we push, that push is an exertion. It's a metric of work. And when we work our body or we stress our body, that actually creates change. But the change only lasts if we have a period of pulling back. And the pulling back is a period of rest. Because on the backside of the work, we're nourishing and refeeding and resting and refueling our body so that it doesn't become stressed to the extreme. It doesn't enter into survival mode. Now, survival mode happens when we push our body and instead of pulling back and allowing a period of time for rest and rejuvenation and healing, we just keep it there. We keep working and pushing and trying to hold our body at this state of work because what changed your body initially, you're fearing if you pull back and rest, you'll have the opposite pattern. You'll fall back into your old ways. Again, like think about the keto diet, right? It's a matter of stress on the body. You cut carbohydrates, you cut them out of your diet, and the longer you cut them out, the more you're holding it into a state of stress, the further up you push that into a state of survival. You basically have this threshold on your pendulum of what's healthy homeostatic balance, and if you push that too far outside that healthy homeostatic balance, you automatically enter into a state of survival where once that created a healthy pattern of change in the body, now turns into a metric of survival, meaning your entire body system is going to change from this open and flowing and healthy energetic pattern, why a lot of people feel really good initially on any amount of diet or any amount of healthy change that they create is because that change produces energy but eventually it catches up with you because you fail to do the rest and the nourishment on the backside. Instead, you continue to push it and push it and push it, trying to hold it and investing all of this energy that you've gained back into the process of maintaining that eventually your energy runs out and you swing all the way back in the opposite direction to the exact same degree you pushed it. Meaning, You can feel really good initially in a lot of diets, but the longer you hold it there, the harder it is to maintain until eventually your body wins the war. You go back in the opposite direction and you end up gaining all the weight you lost and a lot of times more. It's a cycle of yo-yo dieting, the back and forth out of unhealthy rhythms, out of extremes that creates a lot of problems inside the system. So when we look at our body, The more stress you can handle means the bigger your homeostatic pendulum is, meaning you can work your body really hard, but you also need to provide and supply that rest and nourishment on the backside. The less stress you can handle, the smaller that pendulum is, meaning it takes less work, creates more stress. So you can't stress your body in quite the same way as someone who can handle more stress. So that's kind of like that picture. The less stress your body can handle, the more energy your body needs. And the opposite is true um, because low carbohydrates, again, are a stress on the system. So the, the more stress you can handle, the less carbohydrates you need. Hopefully that's giving you a clear picture. I'll try to mark that out more in um, the blog post that goes along with this podcast. 
So if we look at different people's bodies at different points in life, what we realize is that there are different times throughout our life when we can handle less stress and when we can handle more stress. Again, the less stress you can handle, the more carbs you need. The more stress you can handle, the less carbs you need. So men and postmenopausal women, again, they're different, but they're similar in their energetic patterns, meaning they can do a lot better or have a lot less negative consequences with lower carbohydrates. In fact, we see in postmenopausal women, this tends to be even a little bit better for them as they lower their carb intake and increase their energy output meaning they're increasing their sense of movement, they're pushing their body a little bit more while also lowering those carbohydrates down. Our menstruating women, on the other hand, don't like stress nearly as much as postmenopausal women. And menstruating women have a much, much, much more difficult time stressing their body in any capacity without seeing negative consequences. Menstruating women are going to be the most affected by low-carbohydrate diets, not just now, but for the longevity of their life. And so I want to be really careful and caution you to say that if you're a menstruating woman, I would highly advise you against doing a very low-carbohydrate diet because it's going to influence your menstrual cycle, it's going to influence your hormonal patterns, and your mood. Just like over-exercise does this, you can think about those in the same way. We overstress our body through overexercise, we'll see similar patterns happen inside the system. Overexercising generally leads to actually more weight loss and sustained weight loss, where low carb diets, you can see quick weight loss, but eventually that rebounds into um, weight gain. So again, it has to do with the stress situation and the seasonality of it, which brings me to a question that I received from one of the listeners from last week is, what, what does it mean to live seasonally from a carb perspective? And, and this idea from seasonally is, is, again, your body's needs are going to change based on the cycle that you're in, based on the season that you're living in. So as the seasons change, as um, summer moves into winter, our energy patterns are also going to change. It actually takes a lot more energy in the winter to maintain a state of thriving than it does in the summer. In the summer, we tend to have more heat, which heat produces energy, increasing your energetic patterns. You have more daylight. You tend to be more active. And so in all of that, really, we don't need as much food energy. And the winter time, we tend to want to sleep more because it's darker outside. It's harder to keep our bodies warm. Our immune system requires a lot more energy in the winter time. And so in the winter time, we actually see an increased need for carbohydrates. So there is cyclical patterns to this, meaning that yes, the carbohydrates are going to vary, but if we just stick with seasonal foods, this actually happens pretty naturally. In the wintertime, those natural carbohydrates that are seasonal, like winter squash and potatoes, those tend to have a lot more working carbohydrates in them than more of our summer carbohydrates like cucumbers and tomatoes and greens and and summer squash, right? Those are a lot more water-based. So yes, there's a seasonal component, but I don't let myself get too worked up about that. I just pay attention to eating more of what's in season. And if you eat more of what's in season, you'll naturally create some kind of cyclical pattern to carbohydrate consumption that is going to be beneficial to your body and creating a state of thriving. I think those are really great questions. So again, just to reiterate those, menstruating women 
definitely have the hardest time doing low-carb diets. So do adolescents and children. Their bodies require a lot more carbohydrates to maintain the energetic level that they're living at. Men and postmenopausal women can stress their body a lot more um, because they just naturally are working at a higher energetic level or um, they have better output of that. Their body isn't quite as concerned with the, with the storing and the conserving of that for the functions of which they're living in. And on the flip side, I do believe in carb cycling, especially when it comes to seasonality. Now, I do want to talk about carb cycling because I think if you're going to get into this whole, how many carbohydrates should I eat, which I realize I I haven't quite answered that question, and I will do that. But carb cycling um, is something that I can wrap my head around. (laughs) It's something that I feel like if you do anything, carb cycling is probably a better option than any of the other options that I've seen. Now, if I just go back to the question on how many carbs should I eat? Again, that's going to greatly vary based on what season of life that you're in. Something that I do for myself is I tend to not limit fruits and vegetables, meaning those are, um, I'm able to consume those in abundance. The only things I try to pay attention to are more of the processed or quick carbohydrates like pastas and breads and crackers and cookies. Those things I try to limit Um, meaning I don't try to eat an overabundance of them. I don't necessarily have them at every single meal that I consume. But fruits and vegetables are on the table. And honestly, I do also often eat um, a lot of rice and oats. Um, Those kind of foods to me used in smaller quantities can provide a lot of great value. That's just kind of how I work this system. But really, I just go back to what is my body craving and what is gonna make me satisfied? Sometimes for breakfast, that means like, yeah, I need an egg sandwich with a couple pieces of bread, depending on how much I've worked out that day. It really is dependent on what you've done to your body and how stressed your body is and how overworked it is and how much energy it needs. That's going to determine what your body needs to consume. If you're consuming healthy whole sources of carbohydrates, I think that there really is no limit to that especially if you just pay attention to your hunger cues and you start to develop that right relationship with food, moving away from the emotional eating patterns if you tend to have those. So that's kind of my rule of thumb. I don't know what this looks like for everyone and I tend to mix it up. Some days I just naturally crave more carbohydrates than other days I don't really crave that many at all. So it really is just paying attention to my body, paying attention to my cravings and providing more of what my body needs. Now, I will tell you that your digestive system works better in the morning and your body is more acclimated to using insulin um, and needing energy. So your body is going to digest and utilize the energy better before about 2 or 3 o'clock p.m. in the afternoon than it does in the evening. So I always say that it's best to eat your largest meals before mid-afternoon. So I try to eat my largest meal Um, at lunchtime and breakfast time, and then make supper my smallest meal of the day. And that's just, again, based on the circadian rhythm of how your body's going to use that energy. We can be all concerned about how much carbohydrates we're consuming, but it's going to greatly change based off your cycles, based off your circadian rhythm, even the patterns throughout the day. So it's always better to eat more earlier than it is later in the day. Now, if I want to get back to carb cycling, because carb cycling is 
um, becoming a popular term. And it's this idea that the amount of carbohydrates you consume changes throughout the week. So you might have a couple of low-carb days, a couple of normal carbohydrate days, and then a couple of what they call refeeding days or those high-carbohydrate days. I think this is really good, and any level of change you can create in your system without keeping it there is really where your body's going to move into the state of thriving because it works with your natural pendulum. If you just eat seven days a week of low-carbohydrate diet, your body is going to adjust to that. That's what your metabolism does. It works like a thermostat. The less energy you provide, the lower energy it's going to need in order to maintain survival, which means your functioning energy is going to decrease. But if you just push and pull back all the time, you're going to create that change without your body needing to regulate to that, meaning that change is going to last. So the idea behind carb cycling is you just have a few days throughout your week or throughout your monthly cycle where you just eat less carbs. That might mean I'm not going to have any processed carbs. I'm just going to rely on fruits and vegetables. Like I'm going to take away all the breads, all the crackers, all the pasta, maybe even the oats and the rice. And I'm just going to rely on salads and sweet potatoes and um, fruit to give me nourishment. But then I'm also going to come back with that as one refeeding day a week where I have more carbohydrates. Maybe I start my day with oatmeal and I have a loaded baked potato for lunch. So you're going to have back and forth days where you have lower carb days and higher carb days. I think that's an okay, acceptable, a natural way to consume food. But again, I don't want people to become obsessive about it because it's not worth it. If you truly just pay attention to your natural rhythms and your natural cravings, you'll find your body does a really great job of this anyways. Like I even think about kids. Kids are so good at this. If left to their own devices in the presence of healthy food, some days my kids only eat protein. Like some days I'm like, what in the world? How much protein can you eat? And then other days they'll only eat carbohydrates. Like over the span of a week, they're really good about taking in what they need and getting rid of what they don't. They're really good about living on the pendulum, which increases their energetic load, which means it's increasing their healthy flow of energy, creating health inside their body. And that's what we want to get to. And that's why I love carb cycling or just cycling meals in general is anytime we can push our body, but then refeed and refuel on the backside. We increase the threshold of stress our body can handle, which is going to make us healthier in the long run. That is the picture of longevity. So it's just this back and forth motion. Now, intermittent fasting or prolonged fasting can do this as well. In fact, I think prolonged fasting and intermittent fasting are the only healthy ways to really achieve a state of ketosis. I think when our body moves to that second fuel source away from glucose and into ketones, that was designed to be done in the absence of food. When we add food on top of that, I know some people think it can prolong your fast and create better health benefits, but there's a lot of caution around that idea. And some people would argue that that is to be done in the absence of food. Because when we add food on top of the process of ketones, we add an additional layer of stress that is hard on some people's bodies. So I do like intermittent fasting, which again, the word intermittent means mixing it up. It's not eating eight hours every single day. It's doing eight hours a few days, 12 hours a few days, and 10 hours a day. It's this idea that you kind of intermittently mix up your fasting days. 
And then of course, prolonged fasting. I mean, one of the healthiest practices that we could ever achieve is a state of prolonged fasting. 24 to 36 to 48 hours of fasting, I think is really critical to periodically do throughout the course of our lives and the course of our months um, to add that level of healing. We'll talk on a podcast later about that, but I did want to answer that. Now, there's another question I got. Do you think it's necessary to take a break completely from carbohydrates for a period of time? The only time that I would recommend this is in the state of fasting. Outside of that, no. I think that if you're consuming food, your body is going to be looking for fuel from food. That is the intended natural state of the body. So yes, a periodic fast from all food is beneficial to heal the body, but as long as we're consuming food, I always think that carbohydrates are all macronutrients should be a part of your diet and a part of your rotation. So I hope those kind of clear the air about carbohydrates. Again, I can't give you an exact amount because that is gonna greatly change. But here's what I can tell you. I think the issue in our lives is not about how many carbs we should consume, but why is our body so reactive to the carbohydrates in general? I kind of mentioned this on the last podcast and I mentioned it throughout a few posts on Instagram this week, but I really, really, really want us to fixate not so much on the reaction that our body's having, on the weight loss that we're having or the reactions to food that we're having, but why is our body so reactive? And I think a lot of the times that just comes down to showcase our functioning level of energy. So many people are living in such an energy deficit that their body has no other option but to react to everything because it's in the process of storing, hoarding, conserving, and really just trying to survive. If we're in a state of survival, our body is not healing. Therefore, disease, inflammation is on the rise, and all of these processes that are making our body unhealthy and making us not well. So if we can flip that narrative and we can start to see that the answer to health always, it always boils down to a healthy energetic pattern. And that is what I want to help you achieve here. It is not difficult, but it does take paying attention to the whole of who you are because the number one consumer of our energy is our mind. It's emotional. In fact, some estimate up to 80% of our total energy level is emotional which means sometimes the keto diet doesn't work simply not just because of what you're eating, because of how much stress it implies on your life, right? The confusion, the chaos, the counting, the processed foods, all of it can become too much. So it's always about energy. The more imbalanced you can become with your energetic flow, the more stress your body can handle, the more change it's going to create, and it's gonna move into that state of thriving. Here's what I want you to remember. Your body wants to be well, more than we ever give it credit. It was designed to thrive. We just have to help it by producing the right environment for it to thrive. And that means we have to understand what is giving us energy and what is channeling that energy into unhealthy patterns, creating that state of surviving. And when we can get ourselves into a healthy energetic pattern, we don't need food to come to our rescue. You know, I think so often people are over-consuming carbohydrates, not because they're lazy or they don't have the motivation, but because they're simply starving for energy. 
And if I can start to teach you that energy doesn't just come from food and that we have an abundant source of energy in our everyday life, we just have to tap into that by helping to heal our mind, creating new stories, because our perspective is the number one influence over our energetic patterns and our hormonal flow, and start to see that there's a lot of ways to create this energy in your life. And when you have plenty of energy, you no longer need to eat that energy. So some of the ways that you can do this is understand that one of the best ways to produce energy is through reward and desire. That's why change only sticks if you desire it because change is hard. It's a stress, right? It takes energy, but the desire kind of equals that out. So it's no longer an energy decline, but an increase. So reward and desire, it's also why we eat food, emotionally eat food for a reward. But if you can learn to reward yourself in new ways, whether it's giving yourself a compliment, um, whether it's doing something that you love, whether it's giving back to someone, talking to someone, cuddling with someone, there's lots and lots of ways to get rewards outside of food. If we can start to pay attention to those things, we can start to see an increase in energy, movement, increases our energy, sunlight, water, sleep. Those are some basic needs. But really, it's just pay attention to the things in your life, the people you interact with, the tasks that you're doing, the food that you're consuming, the lifestyle that you're living, and understand, is this taking my energy or is this adding to my energy? Is it making me feel depleted or is it making me feel good? Start to write out those lists of energy fillers and energy drainers and start to incorporate more of those fillers into your life. The higher your energetic flow or the more imbalanced it is, the less you're going to need food in general and the less carbohydrates you'll consume. Really, if we look at all this as a whole, the healthiest people are those who have figured out how to supply a lot of energy outside of the food that they consume. Because in all longevity studies, it always boils down to the healthiest people are the ones who are satisfied on less. Meaning they're not just eating less and feeling deprived or starved or restricted. They're eating less because they're simply energized there. Like they're fully satisfied on less food because they're getting plenty of energy and passions and desires and hobbies and people and the things that they do. Again, if we go back to the beginning, this is why it matters to live out your purpose now. Not wait until you get healthy because it's in the passion and the desire that is going to give you energy, which is going to change your health without you having to do anything in the middle of it. I could talk all day about that, but clearly I miss my calling, but I'm still going to combine health and this idea of writing new stories into one <laughs> to live out my calling in the middle of still getting you healthy because health matters. You were designed to live in health. That was created in you. It's already there. You don't have to chase it down or find the next best diet. And it's certainly not in a number on the scale. However, your body still wants to be at a healthy weight, but the only way you're going to get there is to create an environment of thriving, which means you've got to add nourishment and rest and understand the pendulum of pushing your body, but pulling back at the same time. So I'm going to leave you with this. Eat the carbs. Not too much, not too little, just the right amount and from the right source. Every day that's going to change and that should give you a lot of freedom. Just trust what you need today and let tomorrow work itself out from there. Now, I know that might induce a lot of questions, so please keep them coming. You are always free to email me or send me a message on social media. 
I answer every single question that I get in. This is a big subject and it does rub people the wrong way because we've really been led to believe our worth is held in our weight. Um, And that's just not true. But it leads us to do crazy things like eliminate full macronutrients and get into ridiculous arguments and controversies that food really should not have our attention to do so. There are far bigger problems in the world um, than the food that we consume. But no, food is meant to give you energy and to nourish your body. Eat for nourishment. Eat to support your body, not to change it. I love you guys. That's why I'm here. Next week on the podcast, we start the end of the year podcast series all about creating a new plan and a new story for the new year. You might think this doesn't matter, but it really does because resolutions don't work for a reason. And we're going to break down why that is and help you to create a new plan, start to learn how to plan your week so that you can create the change that you've been looking for. So come back next week. It really does matter. But in the meantime, make sure you check me out on social media at made for living well, and also check out the livingwell.com. And if you love this podcast and any podcast, if you would take a moment to rate and review the show, I would love it. If you're listening at the end of this podcast, kudos to you, but these ratings and reviews really do mean the world to me and they help other people find the show who wouldn't otherwise hear about it or know about it to join this community of like-minded people who are here to live out health, not chase health. So if you wouldn't mind, head on over to thelivingwell.com backslash review, or just hit up the reviews wherever you're listening to this podcast. And if you do so, make sure you send me a screenshot of that. And I have a free gift on the other side for you. Okay, that's it for today. I will see you back here next week with a new series all on planning for the new year.